You're about to listen to an episode of What the Hell Just Happened. Join Paul Edwards and his guests as they discuss interesting HR topics and solve some of our listeners' submitted questions. And occasionally I'll go off HR topic and talk about whatever I want to talk about. Think barbecue, space exploration, technology, money, managing, business, things that interest all of us. We get a lot of emails with questions. Stay tuned for details on how you can submit yours to the show. And now, let's get started. In today's episode, we're going to nerd out with you. I'm going to be bringing in one of the experts, Mariah, from the Solution Center over at Cedar. And what we're going to do is HR nerd and kind of go down the classification conversation, uh, independent contractor versus employee. I find this a fascinating subject. I've had to explain it. And Mariah, when she comes in, she'll tell you she's had to help, you know, hundreds of offices get this right. And in this case, we're going to talk about a dental hygienist in a dental office and whether or not they can be classified as an independent contractor. So it's a subject near and dear to my heart. And, you know, because we are an HR podcast called What the Hell Just Happened, what the hell just happened is, is that the IRS and the DOL have their own set of rules that have been in place forever, and they make determinations and give us the tools in order to be able to make the determinations of whether an employee is an employee or an independent contractor. And what the hell just happened is, is someone misclassified a hygienist and now they're going to have to pay. Maria, how are you? I'm doing, I'm rocking and rolling. You're rocking and rolling? Yeah. How's the Solutions Center looking over at Cedar? It's awesome. You know, this time of year gets really busy with those end of year requests and everybody, you know, looking at their handbooks and their benefits. Oh, you guys got a bunch of law changes too that you're working on over there. So for for anybody who's listening for the first time or maybe the second time, um, Mariah uh, is one of our experts in the Solutions Center, what we call the Solutions Center at Cedar. And, uh, you know, Cedar's job is to provide compliance and then problem solve, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. Mostly day-to-day HR issues being brought to us. And then, of course, just, you know, day-to-day operations and maintenance of, you know, those policies and making sure they're compliant. So, yeah, lots of of end-of-year stuff is always a a big HR thing. It's a big HR thing. Yeah, we get a lot of traffic end-of-year. But I also get a lot more energy because it's cooler temps. So Uh hopefully we're all, you know, filling up to the challenge. We we live in the desert, so we get excited. The temperatures drop below 100 for the first time in late October where Mm -hmm. we live, if you're, if you're listening. So, um, okay. So part of what we do is provide all kinds of analysis to help our, on the compliance side. So an analysis uh, from us could be something like I have an employee, this is the problem. And our analysis goes into, well, what else is going on? What kind of documentation do you have? So analysis. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another place where we, we help and we provide a lot of guidance, which is, Um, uh, what we're going to talk about today is an analysis of whether a person is an employee or an independent contractor. Yeah. And we're going to kind of go through and just do the analysis with you. So Mm -hmm. I think the best way to, to kind of role play this, right. We're kind of role play it. But by the way, if you're listening, this is going to be some HR nerd stuff right here, but I swear we're going to make it interesting. This is the nitty gritty fun stuff that we love to dissect. And so anytime we get, you know, we see somebody pulling an article or something that they, you know, feel really strongly about, or they're fighting back on classification stuff that we know, we do love to pick apart these things and go deeper into the analysis. So somebody will write an article that doesn't agree with us and they'll put it out and then we have to deal with that. And And oftentimes that looks like a a good source, it a does. reputable source. And I like healthy pushback. It's not that we don't learn something or there isn't another thing. F- it, th- it's not like there isn't something else for us to learn in this area. Absolutely, always. Uh, but but uh, it's a lot of times we see these articles, there's some self-serving thing to it. 
like it's a temp agency somewhere making the case that someone can be classified a way that we just don't agree with. And by the way, we'll, we'll get into, you know, who we are and why we would agree and, and, and what re- resources we would use to form those opinions. So, look, I want to do this analysis like we would do any other analysis. So I think we need facts, right? Set the kinda, stage for so me, I'm Paul. going to I'm going to create a case, okay? All right. So um, – First of all, we're talking about a dental office, but everybody, we could be talking about any kind of office. It doesn't matter who you are listening out there. You could be uh, medical, you could be dental, you could be a medispa. It doesn't matter. You have to classify your employees. And this question of whether or not an employee is an employee or, or a independent contractor comes up across all all, all, all sorts industries, of things. Yeah. All industries, not not just kind of medical related. Mm-hmm. I mean, even on car dealerships and, and mechanics and and all sorts of things. So, so uh, in this case, uh, uh, facts of the case is dental office. Uh, the worker performs services for the uh, this dental office we're talking about as a dental hygienist. Um, the um, place that she uh, worked, and most dental hygienists are she, so I'm just going to assume she. Uh, for all the guy dental hygienists <laughs> out there, I'm sorry. Um, we know you're there. That so so this is important part of the thing. How did the how did the business report the payments to this person? And they reported them as a 1099, which means they withheld no taxes whatsoever. They just came to an agreement with this person and they gave the person a certain amount. That of money. she was classified as an independent yeah. contractor. Yeah. They felt that since the worker, uh, so their reasonings for doing this, so they did their own analysis, right? Did an analysis, or maybe someone helped them with it. They felt like the, uh, uh, I'm saying they felt like the worker uh, was licensed, so it's a licensed dental hygienist. So you know, it feels like they've got a professional licensing, um, and they're f- and they were filling a temporary position, mm-hmm. um, and and um, so they were only using her part time, and to support that, she was also working at other offices. So these are um, speaking to this thing that we'll get into maybe a little bit deeper, which are these mm-hmm. set, sets of parameters, facts, things that have to be true. There's about 50 of them, roughly. I'm just, again, roughly. The IRS has a set and the Department of Labor has a set. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things that are in their, their list are the same. Mm-hmm. They cross over. But there's some, a, a few things that are unique. The uniqueness doesn't matter in today's talk. So um, so they're kind of using that test, and they're saying she doesn't work here all the time. She's free to work other places, and she does, mm-hmm. and, we have an, and we have an agreement with her. And, Paul, the FLSA and the IRSA, they are, the IRS are so – they double down on the fact that those factors do not rule. So the answer to one factor does not mean that you have finished you can, your analysis. You can check off 12 yes. uh, of the 50 and think, well, I got 12. That's a majority and still fail the test. Mm-hmm. That, that's what they call it, the test. And so you can still fail the test. It's not like most other tests. If You could, you could actually get a- almost all of them checked off and still fail the test mm-hmm. is a, kind of an interesting way to look at it. So, uh, so they felt like she could uh, qualify as an independent contractor. This should really sound familiar to people that are listening right now. Uh, she was then converted to an employee status at the first of the year. So she had worked there, I think, in 2017. In a temporary capacity? In a temporary capacity, and she was okay. filling in. In 2018, they were like, hey, we'd like for you to come over here and start uh, only working for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so um, the, uh, the, the employer uh, would, would have indicated that the work assignments were based on her availability and patient load, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of... Yeah, it's kind of interesting. And I would say that's one of the biggest red flags that we see with these misclassification issues is when they are classified as an independent contractor and you've attributed certain factors to that 
analysis, that classification, and yeah. then later they're classified uh, as a regular it, it employee. It gets changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I in, in this, the same position or a similar position. Yeah. 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 So the the worker would uh, contact the dentist if there were in, any complaints or problems. Mm-hmm. So they they're just kind of get you know if we give some of the fact pattern in here, the hygienist is supposed to be acting independently. And I think in this scenario, I she's still an independent contractor as she's converted to their kind of full-time dedication to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they had her as an independent contractor, and that felt like it was going right. And so now she's full-time. They still have not changed her to an employee. She's still an independent contractor. Uh, the worker would then let the uh, practice know a week in advance if she was available. Uh, they would then schedule patients accordingly. Um, she was uh, she was not uh, required to attend staff meetings. And so somewhere they picked up that if you have them attend meetings and you control them in that way. Mm-hmm. So they were thinking, well, we won't have her come to staff meetings, which I just want to say, if you have a full-time person working with your patients and in your business who doesn't have to come and join in and be a part of the team, that's a whole nother problem. Sure. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, to yeah, that's 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 a whole nother issue. Um, so the the last few p- parts of the uh, this part of the fact part uh, fact pattern um, didn't have to go to the meetings. Uh, the uh, the uh, practice did provide the uh, hygiene uh, instruments were in the room. Provide a patient. She's room. using all of their equipment. Yeah, she's okay. using their equipment. She's doing all the work on their facility. Um, she was paid on a per diem daily basis. Okay. So she, they, you know, every day, whatever she did, you know, whatever their agreement was, she was paid, um, you know, the full amount, no taxes withheld. Um, and then uh, they made it clear that either party could end this at any time. So okay. that's kind of an at will kind of uh, 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 thinking about this. Um, the So, um, I gave you what the what the practice to, uh, told us, right? So let's see what the worker said. So the worker stated she uh, was asked to cover shifts um, of other employees if they were unable to cover. You know, so she's supposed to cover for other people. It could be for pregnancy, for someone out, mm-hmm. if they're sick or whatever. She was asked like to another come in. employee would yeah. be asked to. So she's a little bit on on standby, mm-hmm. you know. Um, she indicated also that the practice determined the day she worked as well as the scheduled patients. So what she Element said, of control there. well, what she said and what they said were two different things. They said that she uh, would tell them and then they would schedule patients. And she's saying, no, they would tell me when they had patients and when I was supposed to uh, and when I was supposed to come in. Um, which I think probably converted when she went from kind of being available a part-time hygienist to um, to kind of working at the practice full-time because that's what the practice needs mm-hmm. is to tell their team. Stability. Yeah, they need the stability and the predictability of scheduling. Um, she agreed that she was paid on a per diem. Um, she agreed that the um, – Patient didn't pay her; they paid the they paid practice the company, directly. and then the practice would pay her her per diem. Again, that's a determinative factor. Um, um, the The firm did carry workers' compensation insurance. Um, I'm just throwing that in there because there's a, a an, uh, we'll 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 come back to it. How about that? Absolutely. I'm throwing that in there, but there was workers' compensation um, a, a, for the business, um, and then all the work was performed under the business's name and on site. On site. Okay. Okay. All right. So, you know, now that we have some facts, facts, and these should sound familiar to people who are listening, um, here comes the fun part, everybody. So we need to do an analysis. Yeah. I mean, the first part of breaking this down is considering that ultimate control and oversight that they had over her position and her procedure for doing her job. 
So they, she did state that she was required to notate each patient chart in the treatments delivered. So she's following a procedure that is in line with their operations. Mm-hmm. They're requiring to know and understand what has been done and also how it has been performed. So they want to retain that element of having the right to address her performance. They want control. They want control. And they've invested in the equipment, in Mm -hmm. the financial aspect of the business Mm -hmm. and where she's performing. So they need to retain that ability. Even if they don't engage in Mm -hmm. corrective action, for instance, or if they don't need to follow up and Mm -hmm. tell her how to do her job, they do retain the right to do that. Right. For liability's sake. Makes sense. And for continuity and to just make things work right. Yeah. And even her, you know, fitting into that system and procedure of notating patient charts, you know, probably being asked follow up questions on occasion where there may have been insurance pushback, et cetera. um, You know, that that's an evidence of both the control and lack of independent control over her over her procedure. So she performs that job. I'm going to introduce a term here and just uh, look, everybody, I don't got to go down the rabbit hole on this, but the the term I'm going to introduce is common law, Mm -hmm. which is just to basically, it it, it is exactly what it sounds like. This is the common law that people have to follow as stated that you will find that the IRS has, uh, in this case, um, uh, remember we said the IRS or the DOL can, can run this analysis. So you get attacked from both Mm -hmm. or either, either side. Um, common law is that list and the, all of the determinations, the lawsuits and the findings, the the court's interpretations of those. Okay. So under common law, is there, is there something under common law that we would say at the beginning of this analysis? There's something we'd bring. It's that behavioral control over her position. Yeah. And it's the element of her performing a necessary aspect Mm -hmm. of their operations. Got it. So, um, Generally, the relationship of employer-employer exists when when the person for whom the services are being performed for has the right to control and direct, generally. And so we're beginning to see some cracks in the independent contractor um, facade, right? Um, With some evidence of that control. Yeah, with some evidence of the control. Because she said something different than than they did. They tell me when they need me to work. In terms of her schedule, yeah, yes. yeah. But she was required to follow their systems and procedures. So when you're determining whether or not an, in, uh, an individual is an independent contractor under uh, that term we use under common law, um, look, all the, everything about control or the lack thereof, when you take that into, uh, into account, you really do have to consider the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I think people get caught in that trap because they see it on the list. They see that control or lack there on the list, and then they try to kind of game the lack of control. Right. And that's it's the, the, the thing I want to point out here is it doesn't matter what an agreement says mm-hmm. or what you say. It's what actually is going to happen and practice and pattern inside of the inside of the business. Right. So she's qualified for the position. She can perform as a dental hygienist. But say she's using one of the tools incorrectly. The employer wants to retain that ability to follow up with her and let her know that, they, that she needs to follow their systems and procedures. The patient doesn't get in touch with her and tell her that there's a problem. Exactly. The patient comes to the doctor and says, you know, that didn't go well. Or I didn't think it went when well. I went to another dentist and they said she didn't clean my teeth right. They don't go to her. They come back to the practice. So um, I think that leads right into the financial control aspect. Okay, let's do it. You know, if 
this hygienist is coming on working within your business and is a necessary and integral part of that business, she's not engaged in an independent enterprise. Mm -hmm. So she hasn't invested any financial, you know, capital. She hasn't, um, you know, she doesn't have an opportunity for profit or loss in that situation. She has no, uh, uh, yeah. So people mistake the ability to, um, get paid Mm -hmm. a certain amount with whatever they may be able to deduct from their taxes as some kind of a business profit and loss thing. And that is not the case. Mm -hmm. So when, when they just pay her, she she doesn't, she doesn't develop the patients. Mm -hmm. She doesn't advertise for them. She doesn't intake them. She doesn't bill them. She doesn't pay the 3% uh, credit card, uh, uh, you know, Bill, she doesn't, she doesn't do any of those things. And even if she did some of those things, it still would not be a determining factor that would push it over the edge. But I've never had a hygienist have me swipe the card, you know, sure. we're done with, I'm done with your cleaning. And then she breaks out the little, her little square, her little square machine is like swipe. And then, and off you go. Um, okay. So as you said, financial control, who controls the finance and what's going on? I want to back back up just a little bit because at the beginning of the fact pattern, I inserted that there was an they had an agreement. Mm-hmm. So that agreement could be oral or it could be written. And again, I see these agreements written where they're trying to um, game that system and, and address. I don't have control here. Mm-hmm. They get to make their own schedule. They get they get to do all those things. Mm-hmm. I just want to reiterate everybody that agreement holds no water whatsoever. Now, if you look at the list and you're and you're trying to pile on and make the case, the fact that an agreement exists is a good thing. That's a good that's a good thing. It does help, but it is not by any stretch a determining factor. So we would say you can't pay people in chicken even if they agree to be paid in chicken. That's exactly but right. But the IRS says that an agreement like that is without merit. They just don't care. Yeah. D- DOL feels the same way. Okay. So wake up, everybody. No, I'm just kidding. It's because I know. Yeah. A few people were listening to this before they went to bed, and they're like, they're snoring, and I'm just like, wake up. Because <laughs> okay. we're nerding out over because dental hygienists. Because we're nerding out over dental hygienists and independent contractors. Okay, so let's continue our analysis. So if we take all everything and apply what we just t- t- talked about and we apply it, um, well, that last piece that we talked about in terms of an agreement mm-hmm. is is that relationship between the employer and the employee. Right. And I think that's maybe where people tend to discount the factors that are really concrete that we've talked about, which is the behavioral and financial control. Right. So if you go into that agreement and you say, well, no, you know, she and I had an arrangement or it was a verbal agreement, again, without merit. And, you know, some of those factors might change industry to industry. But when we talk about the dental hygienist, this all wraps back around to the fact that this dental hygienist, like you said, can't perform her services without the supervision of a doctor. No, there's only the only state I know of where a dental hygienist can do it is um, Colorado, which still doesn't remove those elements of control. She wasn't at her office. She wasn't in her own place. She wasn't, you know, she wasn't taking payment, all all those things. So if we look at the factors, okay, if we kind of, I just kind of want to break those factors down. Um, I think they call them the category of evidence or something like that. Yeah. 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 Um, so um, right to control how the worker performs, the tasks they perform. This includes things like training, instructions that you give them. This is how we do it. This mm-hmm. is how you're going to do it. This is how 
we chart all of this. This is where it goes in our software. Retaining the right to do so. Retaining the right to do all those things, which, you know, is the smart thing to do. Um, You know, retaining the right to go through all the methods. These are the facts that we just have gone through. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. The last thing I want to do is revisit the factors that illustrate how the parties perceive their relationship. Right? Because remember, everybody, we said the agreement doesn't control. No no one thing controls. Mm -hmm. So now that we've given you everything... Practice says one thing about who controls when they come in. Employee says a different thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so we got to take all that stuff and, and bring it to bear. So the factors that illustrate how the parties perceive the relationship, what do they include? It includes that written contract, okay. so that transparent agreement, yep. whether that be an offer letter or you know some sort of agreement with maybe a compensation structure. Mm-hmm. The provision of or lack of inclusion with employee benefits. Which is one of the things on the list is do they get to be in your benefits thing? A really big area of liability Mm -hmm. in certain states where employees have rights to protected sick leave or protected, you know, leave of absence policies. Mm -hmm. So you're really opening up yourself to a lot of liability there in terms of not offering that to someone who should be classified as a regular employee. Okay. And then the permanency. Mm -hmm. So the right to end the relationship at any time. Well, and the fact that the length of employment does not actually have an impact on this analysis. Right. So you could have a dental hygienist come in for one day, be paid a day rate, and they should still be classified as an as a, not an independent contractor. They were they were as a regular employee. Can, uh, I'm going to speak to this very quickly. There's this six hundred dollar thing out there that says that if you pay someone less than six hundred dollars, you don't um, have to report it to the IRS. And people take that and take it a step further Mm -hmm. and say that also means that you can treat anyone who you pay less than six hundred dollars as an independent contractor. And guys, I'm just I am not an account, but I can tell you nowhere in the statute does it say that when it comes to employees. So that's you you just take that six hundred dollars and that's for maybe your person who comes in and cuts your lawn in the summer. I don't know how you get that done cheap. Well, here in Arizona, it's easy because no one cuts lawns. because <laughs> It we just don't have lawns. They come out. Yeah. They yeah. come out and they scrape your rocks for you. Um, nonetheless, just want to say that $600 doesn't matter. Well, and I think that's support as well for not always taking, um, you know, a CPA mm-hmm. or something you read on the internet for its face value. Yeah. Let's also add more factors to this. In this case, I'm going to say that the worker wasn't engaged in any kind of an independent enterprise. Now, we didn't really get into that, uh, but I'll give you an example of an independent enterprise outside of our kind of our where we normally talk. Um, A car dealership has the need to have certain cars that come in, the seats in them reconditioned. Things need to be repaired in them. Mm-hmm. Not every car that comes in needs that. Mm-hmm. Only some cars that come in. And not every car is going to get that because of the value of it, it doesn't warrant putting that kind of work in it. They can just put it on the lot and it'll sell like it is. You're talking about a project with an end result. I'm talking about a project in a specialized and, – and, and so what they have is they call a guy or a gal and that guy or gal, that's all they do mm-hmm. is they fix seats and then do the cleaning and, and bring them up. They have, a, they have their own tools. They have their own specialized knowledge, their own training. They tell you when they're coming. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can tell them I need it done by Thursday. They'll mm-hmm. tell you, well, we're going to be there Wednesday. Or I want you to use this type of method, yeah. potentially, yeah. right? Yeah. But you're not specifying how the procedure that they're using. Well, they, you just want it to match. Mm-hmm. That's all you're saying. You don't tell them how to match it or doing that. Okay, so that's someone who has their own independent enterprise. Mm-hmm. And we could apply that down many, many avenues. This dental hygienist does not qualify for an independent enterprise. 
She's doing the work of the practice. Mm -hmm. All general dental practices, practically all general dental practices, I shouldn't say all because there's always one guy out there being like, excuse me. I sure do not. (laughs) I do not care if their teeth are clean. Um, uh, Everybody cleans teeth if you're in a general dental practice. It's just part of the integral part of of business. Yeah, it is an integral part of the business. Um, And and then, um, uh, you know, that last thing we put in that both parties retain the right to just end this at any time. And that is one of the factors. And and, and a true independent contractor has to be able to do work for other people. Mm -hmm. So the guy that comes or gal that comes in to fix those seats at that car dealership, they go to their competitor the next hour over. And just go and just go over, and they start repairing seats there. Right. They're they're free. They're they're capable of freelancing, but see, that's not the determining factor that made them an independent contractor, right? Their ability to go work at another place mm-hmm. is the same as this uh, is same as the fact pattern here. Absolutely. But they're an independent contractor, whereby this dental hygienist is not. They have a financial investment in the profit and loss. Yep. Yep. Yeah, if it, if they give a price of sixty dollars to do the job and it takes them four times longer, they don't get to come back and charge more money. They right. bid sixty, they take sixty, they have the ability to uh, have a profit and loss. So, as an employer, Paul, when someone says, you know, during a hiring process, I am an independent contractor, I want to be classified as such, and say they're a dental hygienist, how do we respond? I don't care what you want. I don't care what your accountant wants. I, I cannot care. classify that position that way. It would be opening us both up to potential risk. Yeah. Yeah. You, the, the, it doesn't matter what they want. I mean, I, I just want to be really clear. I don't, it, it, this is applied to associate doctors and all in, in other areas. It's up. You have, if you're listening and you're the employer, the manager, it, they, the IRS and DOL put this right in your lap, and they and they say it doesn't matter what the other person wants. You have to start with is this a person an employee or an independent contractor, and then split them off and put them where they're supposed to. Right, be. the burden of proper classification yeah. is on the employer, and they can't absolve you. They can't sign something that says if they get audited, they can't they can't do anything. Sign away those employee yeah. rights. So let's jump to the conclusions because I know everybody's riveted out there and they want to know how this is. I think everybody can kind of tell where this is going to go. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go through the conclusion. Do you mind? Not at all. Okay. So look, based on the analysis as, as, as we laid it out, I will conclude that the firm had the right to exercise direction and control over the worker, um, um, to, you know, the degree necessary to establish, in, in my opinion, that the employee is actually, the worker is actually an employee and not an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that the worker is a licensed dental hygienist and they perform services on a part-time basis, um, at least in the beginning, doesn't indicate that they're an independent contractor. It just doesn't. It doesn't hold weight in that analysis. It, it has no, it has no, it, it carries no weight. It's true. It is part of a overall list, as I've been saying, but it doesn't, it doesn't help. The dental hygienists um, are required by law if, if for everybody who's listening. And this is important if you don't know about how dental hygienists are. are they, they're, they're required by law to perform um, their services under the direction and supervision of a fully licensed dentist. So they cannot have that independent enterprise unless they're in Colorado. And I think there may be one other state. But again, as we told you before, it doesn't matter. It matters how they're applying mm-hmm. right now. Again, I, I just want to say this. The practice scheduled the patients. Mm-hmm. That's how that's going to go. And they collected payment from them. So that's another kind of strike against the independent contractor argument. Um, the the worker, as we said, is a trained hygienist. So um, um, 
direct supervision wasn't necessary because that's the other argument we get is I never go in there and tell the She knows how to do her job. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, you got to understand that it that the fact that that they can work independently, that they are capable of working on their own in a room and doing their job mm-hmm. is not the same as an independent enterprise. They still, by law, must work for you. They have to work for a dentist if you're listening. So she could go and do her services somewhere else, but still under still, the supervision of a doctor. Yep, still there's got to be a doctor there. Um the fact that the worker performs services for others in many instances to include the one that we're, you know, the scenario that I've laid out for you um, does not indicate, as, as we've said, that a person or a business is a business themselves, but they're merely trying to work a full-time schedule. I mean, that's all she's trying to do is just earn money. That, that yeah. doesn't translate to a permissible no. independent contractor classification. Um, so in the in this particular instance, she may have performed the same services for other uh, dental facilities, but again, she would have to uh, practice under the direction of a, like you said, right. a, a, of a of a of a dentist. Um, so this is analysis we're familiar with. We do this breakdown all the time. We walk yeah. employers through this, and the ways that we're seeing it, you know, bubble up is in guidance, published guidance by temp agencies, and even you know we see people trying to give legal advice. Through this, so if you go and just do a Google search, you're going to come up with a lot of different answers to this type of analysis. Yeah, and and so I think you know the the I think the big reveal here, if you've stayed here the whole time, is that we may say I'm kind of smart, and we put this whole thing together, and we put the scenario for you. We just you know gave you the analysis and how it would, would have to turn out, and we did. I hope we sounded really smart. But the, the thing that we probably need to confess here is, is that we are reading directly, almost word for word, from an SS8 determination. It's a determination for public inspection from the IRS, whereby this exact scenario in 2017 was given to the IRS, and this is what the IRS said, mm-hmm. is what we just told you. Now, we feel good because this comports with what we've been saying for years. You know, 18 years. We got this right right out of the gate. So we feel good that it, it comports with what we're doing. But we just want to be clear here. We told you earlier we'd explain this to you. We didn't make these rules up. We're just following the rules. And if you mm-hmm. look at a determination from the IRS based on a scenario that everybody who's listening here has gone through, there's no doubt that this person is an employee. Now, what happens is the hygienist gets audited. Mm-hmm. Herself, personally. Herself. She gets audited. She catches an audit. Or the other practice that she works for catches an audit. Mm-hmm. They make the determination that she's been misclassified over there. They come to her and, and they ask her to fill this out. They fill, fill out this form of facts. And you can see that she shifted. You mm-hmm. can see they said one thing. They said, no, she determines when she's available. And she said, no, they tell me when I'm, when I'm supposed to be there. And then, and then ultimately they hired her on full time, which was a nail in the coffin mm-hmm. when they did that. Yeah. So, um, you know, in the, in the end, um, we don't make up these rules. Right. No, and we see the Department of Labor always trying to return to this longstanding interpretation. Yeah, they're not moving so well. from it. And and we have 16 different versions of this. But, you know, getting back to 
somehow she filled this form out with the IRS. The reason why is because the IRS still wants their Social Security and they still want all their matching taxes and the Department of Labor and your local Department of Labor wants their taxes. Mm-hmm. So everybody wants their money here. And so you've been paying this 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 employee for four years. She yes. gets audited. Now, it's determined that she's an employee. You're going to have to go back and pay all the penalties, the back taxes. You might ha- have to hire an attorney. Mm-hmm. At four hundred dollars an hour, so let's add another fifteen thousand dollars in there. So you they might can be looking it. at back owed overtime. Uh, oh yeah. Let's talk about the benefits that are required in your area. So yeah, you might yeah. be in a heap of trouble. You could be really in a, in a heap of trouble because you tried to save seven percent on Social Security because somebody told you that you could do that mm-hmm. um, when you when you clearly you're not supposed to be doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm a, I'm a entrepreneur, and there's a risk and reward. There's a there's a weight of you know where at, at what point you know who's going to know. And I look, I'm going to be realistic here. I've been, I've operated businesses forever. If we audited the first businesses that I owned, the, uh, the window washing business to start with, which was fabulously successful, by the way, everybody, um, I broke every labor law in the world. It, we were up ladders. I was paying people under the table. There were no taxes. I, you know, I didn't know any of that. What are the chances I was going to get caught? They were pretty low. But that's not a good defense for medical or dental practice. No, when you think about all of the other liability areas that yeah. you've opened yourself up to, it's it's just not worth the risk. Yeah, you you know, just lay this on you. If you end up, your workers' comp doesn't cover independent contractors on the face of it, mm-hmm. right? So the guy that comes in, that comes through, that um, fixes that that uh, that car, that mm-hmm. car seat, if he cuts himself while he's doing that, that's on him to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. You do that. That car dealership's workers' comp will not cover that independent contractor. Right. So everybody who's listening understands how uh, insurance companies work. They make their money off of not paying out and denying. So you've set yourself up for them to deny the workers' comp claim if she were to get a stick. And then there's a. And know, then you, what is she forced to do? Well, she's forced to throw you under the bus. Mm-hmm. She needs to be reclassified as an employee and she's going to get it. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and she also maybe gets a needle stick and needs treatment. Yeah. And then the cap on, you know, what she can pursue mm-hmm. in terms of damages. Yeah. So we have a ton of this information at our at, a, at Cedar's website, all kinds of guidance on this. Trainers and advisors that will happily walk you step by step because we love yep. this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, if, if you feel like you have somebody that you've misclassified, you maybe someone's told you it's okay, you've gotten it from a, you know, a, some kind of consultant or something, I I urge you to go to a CPA, not your local accountant, not your payroll company, not your best friend who's doing the same thing you're doing. I urge you to go to a CPA and ask them, and I think they're going to tell you exactly what we've just told you here. Um, You know, ultimately, guys, your hygienist and your associate doctors who are working for you doing the work of your business, they are not ICs. They do not qualify for that underneath the IRS or the Department of Labor's rules. Correct. Okay, everybody. I hope I hope I, I know we went down an HR nerd hole, but I love this subject and we've been fighting this battle. It's like we win for about two years and then, then the, the flow goes the other way. And, and we then, see it pop up in media again yeah, and everything. And, yeah, it keeps coming back up again. So um uh you know, this this is our talk on independent contractor versus employee, and we put it in the context of a dental hygienist. 
Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of What the Hell Just Happened. If you have an HR issue, question, or just want to add a comment about something Paul said, record it on your phone and send to podcast at wthjusthappened.com. We might even ask if we can play it on the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe and join us again next week.